Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is the weekly podcast for all your tillage news and advice. In this episode, I'm going to look at the grain markets for the coming months with James Nolan from RNH Hall. I first asked James how the harvest and production tonnages are looking from across the world. As things stand today, I guess it's kind of a mixed bag. You have Black Sea regions, wheat production is actually quite good. Um, if anything, in particular, Russian production has steadily increased uh, two main reasons. Firstly, is their area of winter wheat in particular uh, increased dramatically last autumn. And surprisingly, with a very dry spring and no kind of adverse weather, crops actually did very well out of it. And yields have come in above average. So Russian wheat yields, at the, or production rather, has increased probably last May, June, starting numbers at 75 million tonnes. Uh, there's some private analysts that are even as high as 82 and 83 million tonnes today. So Russian wheat prices are today the cheapest exporting region in the world and uh, prices declined into August due to harvest pressure, but since then have risen a little. You go to um, South America, there has been dry issues in Argentina, um, but I think it's probably in the market. Their production is going to be somewhere around 17, 18 million, has declined by about half a million tons from earlier expectations. And North America, no major changes. The area was lower this year and yields are coming in as expected. Um, the wheat harvest is almost finished in the US, um, coming in at around 48 million tons, which is pretty much in line with most uh, most um, forecasts. Um, the big, and it's two polar opposites, uh, are Australia, where it won't, it's not impacting on the market today, but there's an expect, an expect that Australian production could increase by as much as 90% from a drought-stricken 15-odd million tonnes last year. So <clears throat> at the moment, that ranges from 26 to 28 million tonnes production in Australia, which is obviously it's a, it's a massive increase, increase year on year. But on a long-term average of about 22 million, it's still going to be up quite a lot if, if um, it uh, maintains this uh, yield forecast. Uh, the opposite there is the big, big hit this year on production numbers has been Europe. Um, Europe was hit Two, two big things hit Europe is firstly is that the back end or last autumn plantings decreased dramatically in major wheat producers and uh, namely the UK area is down 8 to 10%. Uh, France, the area is down as much as 18 or 15% rather on wheat and drought in May has impacted on yields. So Europe as a whole production could fall as much as 15 to 18 million tonnes there with the biggest losses um, in major exporting countries like the UK, France, and even Germany. Um, and as a result, we've seen in, in recent months that wheat prices, particularly in Europe, have continued to rise. So James, with, with all that, especially given that Europe is under more pressure, um, does that mean when grain has to be imported into Ireland, it has to come that bit further, therefore it's going to be more expensive. And is that the reason prices are being driven up in Europe or does that really, the whole transport bit have much of an impact at all? Uh, transport, yeah, definitely. Uh, traditionally, like Ireland are net importer of grains. And if you start with wheat, you know, UK has been the traditional main source for Irish wheat. Um, so 
this year, as imports go further away, you're looking at maybe there's more wheat coming from Denmark, the Baltic. Um, yeah, so there is going to be a, a freight difference or, um, for shipping. Um, in the last few years, probably the UK has been less of an exporter and probably more exports have come from um, the Baltic. So there has been, yes, an, import, an, an impact on freight where yeah, costs are a little bit more expensive. But I guess the, the big thing for wheat this year is actually the scarcity of feed wheat. So, you know, the UK is a major exporter of feed wheat. And Denmark is a major exporter of feed wheat. Um, you know, UK production, it depends who you speak to, but, you know, the UK production could fall as much as 6 million tonnes this year. Um, and that ranges from 4 million tonne loss to a 6 million tonne. So last year, their production number was about 16 million tonnes of wheat. Uh, this year, there's, it, it could be as low as, as 10 or 12 million. And their domestic demand works out at about 12 million. So if, if it comes in at 10 million, they are on paper, they're a net importer of wheat, which is the case today. And um, the UK are actually importing wheat. So for feed wheat, the UK are not an exporter as such. Um, and Denmark, they were hit somewhat similar to ourselves and most of Europe where the area of winter wheat uh, declined. So um, they're probably going to produce 100,000 tonnes less uh, wheat this year. And that basically comes off their exportable surplus, uh, which is about 800,000 tonnes. So their exportable surplus will decline. So in effect, what is happening within Europe is consumers of feed wheat or buyers of feed wheat they're actually moving to having to buy a, a better quality or a low grade milling, which we're beginning to see that feed wheat prices and milling wheat prices, the, the, the spread between the prices have narrowed greatly. So, you know, there's more kind of a, a low grade milling wheat being put into the feed market. Well, we just go back to the UK for a second. Obviously they've had a very, you know, similar to Ireland, very hard to get um, crops sown last autumn. Uh, they have a drought as well. As you said, the production is down. In, just in, in terms of a context, how often do they end up importing uh, wheat? Because they're generally an exporting country. Is this a one in 10 kind of year scenario or has it, has it happened a bit more often than that? Um, it is a one in, they, in 2015, they would have imported wheat. But it's funny, in that year, they actually ended up exporting wheat in the second half of their campaign. And it's probably something worth noting that maybe longer term this season, that that could be a possibility. Um, as I said, the UK on paper today, they're a net export or a net importer of wheat. So, you know, they haven't produced enough to satisfy their, their demand. But it's an unknown today, but it's expected or it's forecasted that they are already carrying wheat forward from last season. And that carry is very hard to define or quantify today, but there's some expected to be as high as 3 million tonnes. So if they, on, in theory, just simple math, if they produce 10 million tonnes and they've carried 3 million, you know, uh, and say they have to need a closing stock of a million tonnes, you know, it's net neutral, you know, they don't need to import wheat. But it's like everything, I guess it's about timing. And if the market there or producers don't want to sell to, at today's price, the consumer you know, they're not going to let their animals or feed mills are not going to go hungry. So, you know, they will import. And that's, that's actually what happened is that 
farmer retention is um, yes, farmers are their strongholders at the moment, right across Europe, mind you, that they're only selling the bare amount, and consumption actually is outstripping the supply at the moment, and it's it's one of the major drivers I think of prices is the pent up demand that is in the market, and it's very similar to ours. Uh, the UK very similar. The UK is physically and actively importing physical wheat. Uh, I remember in 15, I think it's 15 the last time they did it. On paper, they were buying wheat from abroad, but when it came to execution, the market had found equilibrium and they actually, in most cases, they didn't physically bring it in. So they had forward purchases in the future. And when it came to delivery, they actually resold it because their local market had get equalized and we see we see reports james uh, um, we won't stay too long on this but we've seen some reports in 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 the media news about milling wheat shortages in the uk has that and, and obviously we get most of our milling wheat from the uk um, or it comes certainly through the uk is that going to have an effect here in ireland on on consumers as in as in the the, the consumer buying bread do you think yeah well listen the raw material cost will will go up um as i said it's probably it's it's feed, feed wheat prices have probably increased more than milling type wheat. Um, you know, there's no shortage of milling wheat per se. So, um, you know, France, okay, their production is down. They're actually suffering where the prices are high enough to stop exports out of France. And it's, it's, it's simple that I think the European market or the domestic market within Europe is absorbing this, the supplies and limiting the exports off the continent. So European exports of wheat year on year are already down so far have fallen on almost 50% or about 40% down. So it's a function of that there's more demand locally and because the local demand is there, the supply is not there. So it's, it's a form of rationing. And, you know, uh, the UK, yes, the UK would be importing wheat every year. It's the different qualities, but they are importing more milling wheat this year, particularly from the Baltic and Germany. Um, it will have an impact here, but as I say, it's probably it's it's more the increased price of feed wheat rather than the increased prices of milling is is impacting on the market. It's the scarcity of feed wheat in the market. So if we turn back maybe to, to the Irish scenario and may, maybe look at the uh, influence of imports, of which always have an influence on on the price that we have here, up to I, I think certainly into this early part of of this year. Maize was the big one that was kind of weighing heavily on the market. Is that still the same or has it changed a bit? Yeah, um, it's probably less so today, but big plantings in the springtime of maize right across the world. And with the major producers of maize, the US is the biggest producer and their area has increased year on year. Brazil production has increased year on year. Black Sea production has increased year on year. and even France production increased year on year early in the spring. And as a result of an increase in production right across the world, maize was aggressively looking for market share in the market. And as a result, maize prices fell to quite low levels early in the spring on expectations of big crops. And mind you, those crops were only being planted at the time, but the area was going in and the market was trying to find homes for that maize that was going to come in the future. Uh, so maize weighed, maize definitely was an anchor or it definitely stopped particularly wheat prices moving higher in the springtime when we knew that wheat supply wasn't going to be there because it reduced the area. Um, and as the, the growing season progressed, we've seen um, 
in particular France, where drought has impacted on production there, and even in the Ukraine, maize production has gradually declined because of drought stress to crops. So, you know, production in, of maize in the Ukraine is estimates in maybe May and June were 36, 37 million tonnes. Today, that's probably closer to 33, 34. So as a result, maize was much cheaper four or five months ago than it is today. And it was, it definitely was an anchor stock prices of wheat and barley moving higher, certainly. So what, what's the major influence then dictating our price then? Is it the, is it the import of, of, of barley coming in then? Today, it's probably barley, correct, yeah. And that's probably more of a, a political uh, view on that one with the UK, where there's the UK... Potentially, if they leave Europe on the 31st of December, there's going to be import levies, implications of import levies put on a product coming from the UK, which would include wheat, barley. And so they have been actively trying to sell into the European market um, on a kind of a a pre-January scenario. Um, Maize has been, as I say, an anchor. Maize prices have moved up since. but today, wheat and barley prices relative to the likes of maize, like the, the price spreads are still quite high. So with the tight supply of wheat, you know, wheat prices have still managed to, to be dragged higher or have pushed higher, even with um, lower priced maize. And it's just a function of the supply is not there. And the market today is trying to ration the usage of feed wheat right across Europe. Then looking at, at, you mentioned that uh, maize was quite cheap, if you like, or, or was aggressively being sold into the market in, in the early part of the year. Have a lot of the, I suppose, the big buyers of feed here in the country, have they taken positions in that? In other words, have they already bought that maize forward so they have enough uh, stocks coming through the system? Or are they now coming to the market and um, that might potentially help the Irish price over the next couple of months? The market has to speculate or take a view on future demand. So the likes of feed compounders, they would be actively buying on a given day all ingredients if the price is right. And yeah, maize cover for the time of the year is probably quite high. And basically it was a function of it was they look at any ingredients in a basket. And if something is competitive enough on a given day, they will take some cover on it. Um, as I say, you know, they have to take a view on demand in the future. The biggest issue is, and particularly this year, is trying to forecast where their feed demand is going to be. You know, coronavirus definitely impacted that on the spring. And um, it's, it's a big fear is how much cover should consumers buy and where will their feed demand be? But yeah, listen, there's quite high cover of... Um, maize um, wheat cover has increased dramatically in the last few weeks and yeah and also probably in the last couple of weeks barley cover is definitely increasing um, but yeah to start the season listen it's you know the most competitive feed ingredient uh, maize was there it was very competitive for several months um, they neglected to buy wheat which was to their detriment in hindsight and um, wheat prices have continued to rise um, even from the lull in in May, early May, and uh, probably the drive on prices at the moment is probably more consumer driven than anything that they refused or didn't buy at an earlier date and have kind of all come to the market at the same, the same time. 
So look, again, look at it. We're probably coming off of, of a, 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 hopefully a low base in price. And it's kind of on the, on the upper trajectory a little bit, at least anyway, at the moment. There probably wasn't a huge amount of opportunities um, where farmers would have forward sold. Obviously, some did because maybe they're just slightly bigger, but I didn't get the sense from farmers there was a lot uh, of um, forward selling over the past seven or eight months. Do you see an opportunity where guys should be either, either selling now or forward selling? Uh, or does it have a little bit more to run? Uh, and maybe you might just comment on the price of barley at the moment in in today as the as the current day around 170 ish or is for dried barley or is it a bit more? Yeah, we're probably a little bit more than barley than that. To be fair, we're probably heading for 75. But <clears throat> looking back, was there selling opportunities? In hindsight, the short answer is no. But at the time, Michael, there was ample opportunity to forward sell. Um, and like, listen, all you can do is forward sell at and take into you know, expectations and market circumstances at the time. And, you know, last spring, um, wheat was in the mid-90s. Um, I was looking at this morning back uh, at the end of March and in early April. Um, that was a selling opportunity without a doubt. Um, the reason probably wasn't being sold forward was, listen, the area of wheat just physically wasn't in the ground. So, you know, I guess, you know, guys didn't have the opportunity to sell something they didn't have. Um, barley prices got to the mid 70s in in april also um, at the time it was a definite selling opportunity because of what was coming down the line with the massive increase in spring barley plantings uh, both here and on the continent and you know that was proven when we got into april where crops spring crops established very very well and prices fell you know the reality is barley prices fell to 160 euros um, um, consumers were focused on barley on, on maize at the time and probably crops were only getting bigger at the time you know an expectation that they established so well there was going to be big crops so at that time anyone that had sold six weeks prior were very happy what they've done it's the, it's the dry period in May that's really it took, took the yields and yeah prices have since then turned around and risen back up to you know current levels which were probably achievable last April so in, in that respect yes it was forward forward selling opportunities um, looking forward at the moment I think people need to be aware of the market is focused on the current season and take wheat where wheat supplies are tight and um, again the market is going to trade kind of all expectations in the future and you know, if we were to sit here and talk about production numbers for next year, right, I can only assume that the wheat area will increase next year. You know, and if the, the wheat area increases next year, we can only assume that we will have our average yields. And if that is the case, potentially wheat today is a forward sell for next year. Um, and my biggest fear long term is that wheat will ration demand. And it is already doing so. So somebody that doesn't need to use wheat or can use less of it are going to do so and use uh, a cheaper alternative. Which means the which means the price will kind of top out. Is that, 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 that what that means? I, everything goes in a cycle, and uh, twenty eighteen is a little bit similar in in some respects, Michael. In that at this time of the year, you had very you had high grain prices, you had expensive relative to alternatives, expensive barley, expensive wheat, relative to alternatives. And by degrees, the market rationed itself. Um, 
okay, demand was ended up being lower than expected because um, the drought reversed itself maybe with guys saving crops in the autumn. Um, but all of a sudden it was hard to find or hard to market wheat and barley the spring of 19. Um, and, and as things stand today, wheat is rationing itself and it, it will, I suppose the question is, at what point do we find equilibrium? Is it in January or maybe it's going to take until next harvest? And that's the unknown today. But the market will, you know, the market will find a level where wheat is just unsustainable in certain, would say, feed rations. Uh, uh, and James, it's just as a forward sell for wheat today. Where is it today for going to maybe October, November, or maybe even next, um, next October, November? So crop, we'll call it crop 21 today. I guess, listen, a wheat price out there is probably high 180s. Um, I don't think I'd say 190, but yeah, listen, I guess it's probably 185 to 190. Probably 190 is maybe unachievable today, but it's, it's probably not far off it. So if you, were a, if you were a betting man with your trading hat on, and, and just the last question, um, if you were a betting man um, and you had the choice in your farm, would you maximize wheat um, to, to, to plant uh, as much wheat as you could, if you like, and um, take a position in the market uh, around that? On the trading side of it, I would be probably looking at the price spreads or the price differentials between ingredients. And today you have quite a big spread between barley and wheat. I see that spread reversing to a more normal. So if I was you would ask me today, I'd probably see more downside on wheat than on barley longer term. James, thank you very much for all those insights. It's been fantastic to get that, the world, the world view and back to uh, a very Irish view as well. So thanks very much for your time and hopefully we'll have you back maybe in a couple of months again. Thank you, Michael. But before we go, I just want to tell you about the second part of the National Crops Forum, which is taking place next Thursday, September the 17th at 6.30. Again, it's a webinar uh, held over Zoom and the details of how to register for the forum are available at chagas.ie forward slash events. Registration only takes a couple of minutes and by registering, the system will tell you when the forum is going to start so you don't forget. So in the second part of the forum, we're going to have a look at the future of tillage farming. Dale Crammon from the Department of Agriculture will talk to us about the Green Deal and farm to fork and what that may entail for the future for tillage farming. And we're also going to talk then to Professor Michael Wallace about the current economic impact on the, of the tillage sector in the economy. And for most people, this is an awful lot bigger than we realise. And finally, Donald Fitzgerald from Goldcrop, and who's also the chair of the Chagas Tillage Stakeholder Consultative Group, will outline some of the recommendations from the recently published Crops 2030 report, which is the strategic plan to develop the crop sector. Again, you can register for this forum at chagas.ie forward slash events. And that's it for the Tillage Edge for this week. And my thanks to James for joining me on the podcast. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcast or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more farming information, go to joggers.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. And I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.